Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. This episode of Slam the Gavel is sponsored by CPS Protect Consulting Services. Child protective services case are among the most frightening experiences any parent can endure. Don't face them alone. With urgent assist by CPS Protect, you get the peace of mind to raise your children as you see fit and personalize assistance of their team of expert child welfare consultants Former CPS investigators themselves right when you need it. Get started absolutely free at cpsprotect.com forward slash register, and that is available in all 50 states. Another announcement, if you could, go to the site, pleasedoyourjob.com, and sign the petition. We need 2,000 more signatures to get a case reopened. That's pleasedoyourjob.com. I'm so happy to have a return guest on. I have Emmanuel Shetler back on. He was last on season four, episode 17 and season four, episode 117, where we discussed his case and the Amish gets special privileges down there in Missouri and the judge doesn't care. That was last on August 28th of 2023. I'm sorry, June 28th, 2023. So, you know, I've got Emmanuel back on. He is going to be featured in my next book, Raised by These Wolves, Volume 2. And I wanted to talk to him about why and how he came to the realization of when enough was enough living in this Amish cult. Welcome, Emmanuel. Thank you. Glad to have you on. I'm excited. So, you know, when was when was the last straw for all this? I guess it was a long straw. It was really hard. Growing up in it, um, just every day it was labor, slave labor, working hard. And then even up until the, I was probably 17, 18 years old, um, I never wanted to get married. I didn't want to have kids. Not that I didn't love kids. I just, I was, I guess something wasn't right for me. It didn't fit with my way of thinking and ended up getting married, ended up having five children, which I love them. Um, and in 2018, I guess the beginning of 2018 is when I started, I guess some of the things started to really bother me as my kids grew older um, I didn't want my kids to have to go out and work all day um, up until the point that they turned 21 and give me all the money. It just It did not sit right with me. Um, I knew there had to be a better way. And the more I explored, the more I guess I kind of cultivated it. I was like, just, just, and, that, and that's just a few among a lot of the things that I questioned. So, in 2018, um, I guess it was about June, um, it's when I really start challenging the elders on some minor things and nobody could have, nobody had no answers. It was, all, well, it's been, it's always been this way. Um, that's the way it's always been. And that was a famous answer you would get throughout your whole life. And if you question, you were questioning God. Like you were not questioning the church. You were not questioning uh, the cult. You were, you were questioning God. Therefore, if you didn't quit questioning, you were deemed to hell. 
That's really, wow. I don't think people realize this. So they're saying it's the way it's always been and don't question us. And to question us is to question God. Who, who do they think they are? I, I have done, well, I, I did two years of college and I took extra religion courses. Just really, I was so curious, like, what, what is it? Why do these people stay in there? How, because most people, when they think of hell, like, oh, I'm going to hell when I die. It's like, mm, it is what it is. You know, some people might be like, yeah, it's a scary place, but there's such a deep, um, I don't know. It, it's almost, it takes over your life. Uh-huh. Hell is such a bad place and you just know for certain that's where you're going because you cannot be perfect. Mm -hmm. And it will, it will fuck you up. Mm -hmm. And it, it I, the first year and a half that I had left, um, I thought I was going to hell and I just, I was just, it is what it is. And that's where I'm going. And it was horrible. It is horrible. So they totally brainwash you and other members and children and babies being brought into the Amish cult that whatever you do wrong, you're going to hell. And especially don't leave. Absolutely. You can rape a child. You can molest a child. You can kill somebody. But you can be forgiven all of those things. But the one thing you can never be forgiven for is leaving the cult. Ooh. And I think that in itself is the definition of a cult. Um, and there's, there's, and the sad part about it, they have no education. They have eighth grade education, which when I got my GED and I've talked to several different people that have gotten their GED after they had left Amish um, in their twenties, thirties, and they're equivalent to a third grade education. Mm -hmm. So they want to, you know, brag about their eighth grade, but it's equivalent to a, a third grade education. So I think that's a lot, lot of the problem. They don't get educated and without education, you know, we can't evolve. We have to have education. So, and what happened to you was you were forced to work at the age of, was it 13, 14? We were, we were actually forced to work at um by the time we could walk oh uh, like eight or nine you were working at a sawmill correct am i right we was um actually me and my brother older brother he was a year he's a year and a half older than i am um at the age of nine is when my dad had a mental breakdown or, or when i was at the age of nine so my brother would have been 10 10 or 11 and we were we had a lot of, because we always had a lot of cows, horses and stuff and like a hundred acres of property. So we were cleaning the barn every morning, harnessing workhorses at nine and 11 years old, nine and 10 years old. And we couldn't, we had to stand up five gallon buckets to even throw the harness on the horses. And then we get that done. We had to work in the sawmill as the third person, the two of us until school and then right after school we would have to go to sawmill till they quit and then go do our chores so like 
in the Amish, the chores is a complete different than in the real world. Mm. In the real have chores, it's oh, you have to you know pick up your things, do that. No, this is actual. This is this is hard labor. You know, there's child labor laws. <laughs> I obviously the Amish are sliding through with this, but you know, why do you think? the Amish parents strive so hard to keep kids within this Amish community and keep them there and brainwash them. That's a good point. And you kind of answered it in the question. Oh. Um, they have to keep them within the Amish community because if the kids, if they would understand what's going on, if they would go outside to get help, um, I shouldn't even say if they would, because at this point, the judges, um, there's lawyers, there's, um, you know, we have centered, we have, they all know um, what's going on and they have to keep these kids within the Amish <clears throat> from the time I figured from the time I was out of school, which I was 13, almost 14 until I was 21. When I got married, my parents got all my money. And I think at the low end, because I knew we did, um, we had a sawmill, we had a dairy farm. We, me and my brother would take turns going, cutting timber. We were 16, we were 16 years old. We were cutting trees down for two skitters to keep up. Um, so, and I knew kind of what my dad would figure us per day. We were doing construction work. We built um, pole barns and all that. So I kind of knew what, he would figure as uh, boys per day, what he would charge. And at the very low end, at the low end from 13 to 21, I made him $250,000. That's minimum. So it makes perfectly good sense if the Amish, they, they cannot do birth control. That way they can have more children. More children means there's more money. It's their retirement. It's it's child trafficking, and we we all know about it. Everybody, no, nobody, because their first thing is, oh, oh, we have religious freedom. We have religious freedom, but the rest of the children, the government gives them rights, but the Amish children have zero rights. We have no rights as Amish child, none. Oh, that's so uh, revoltingly sad. Um. So actually, these parents are using their children as re little retirement funds without paying taxes on them. Exactly. That's exactly what they are. And I've had, I've had quite a few people over the years ask me about um, animal abuse within the Amish. Absolutely. There is, they have, I guess the way we look at animals, like they're... Or me personally, I can't speak for everybody. They're one class lower than a than a human. You know, I take a human life over animal life any day. But within the Amish, their children and people are at the level that we keep our pets, we keep animals. So animals are even at a lower level where if they can't make money, they're no use to them. Uh-huh. And I... <laughs> I know this may be a little bit out of line, but I've um, we've actually had a um, a very good dinner with a friend of ours, 
and we kind of got on a conversation about um, Amish and bestiality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really bad. And I just want some of the listeners to understand that the way the Amish teach, and always, I hate this, um, and most of the time I hate, I hate even be called ex-Amish because of all the, um, you know, the bad stuff that's within them. Mm-hmm. But if um, a couple, if they have sex, that is, they have to be shunned. They, they, they de- I mean, they are the worst. It is better for a single male that is in a relationship with a, a girl to have sex with an animal than it is to have sex with his girlfriend. How is that? I don't know. And I will say it again. It is, they have no regard for animals. And I don't, I, I even talked to a 60 some year old man in um, Keatsville, Missouri, when I was down there to Amish. And I said, what, what is going on? There's so much bestiality. He's like, is that against the law? Uh-huh. I said, first and foremost, it's immoral. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. And I said, it's against the law. Oh, I didn't know. And, and it just, it makes you just want to punch them in the face. So then, how this, this must be happening frequently with this bestiality going on within the Amish. It, it's, it, it's very, very common. Very common. So you would say it's rampant. It's, yeah, it, it's, yeah. we didn't, because we didn't find out much about that kind of stuff, which we weren't taught any sexual, um, like we had no sex education. So if we, we wouldn't have done carpentry work and had access to outside people, um, our drivers and stuff, uh, one guy that worked with us for eight years and he showed us a lot of things on the phone and taught us a lot of things. But other than that, we would not have known what any of that stuff was. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, when, by the time when we join church is when we start finding out when people went in front of the church to confess their sins. And that's when it, it just, I was like, this can't be happening. This is, what is going on? So they would go before your bishop, is what they called him there, and then just say this in front of everybody? It depending, if it was something small, they would say it, but if they was to get shunt, the bishop would rattle it off for them. Um, they would have to be in there um, and hear everything, and then they would leave the church. And then um, the rest of the members would vote, uh, vote to... Um, either shun them or ban them, whatever, you know, necessary steps, um, or they thought it was necessary to, to punish. Um, and most of the time a punishment, um, for like rape or sexual abuse of any kind would most generally be like four weeks. So where most people would be in prison for their life, they would be forgiven in for maybe maybe eight weeks at the most. And then uh, the victim is there to suffer. They're forced to forgive. They're forced to forget. And 
I guess that's why there's some so much mental illness within the Amish. It's it's kind of you are or you're not. You're part of it or you're you're trying to avoid it. And I was a diehard Amish. I believe that was the only way to heaven. Um, I just couldn't see any other way. And you had to get out uh, because all of this, these uh, crimes were exposed in the church before the bishop. And if the person couldn't like maybe explain what was going on, the bishop would then uh, lead the person to say or maybe speak for that person that there was bestiality going on and there was incest going on. Correct. Okay. And, and it like I didn't even know what the word bestiality meant. So I really wonder like how many times they confessed in church that I didn't, I didn't know what it meant. Mm -hmm. And it looking back, I really think the bishops enjoyed it. Like they wanted to have all the grimy, dirty details of what somebody's doing. And, and it's, it's so disgusting. Um, I mean, it's a cult. It's it's a cult. And I think one of the reasons they don't get punished any harder than that, and, and well, I'll say that first. The reason they don't get punished harder than that is, and I, feel, I felt that way, and I still feel this way 100%. In a way, they are glad that if somebody gets molested or they get raped, because then it just... It, the person has no emotions after that. Ugh. They give up. They have their their will is gone. Um, they steal some something from the um, the victim, and that's a good way to keep them within the community. Almost like blackmail. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's always the victim's fault. Ninety nine percent of the time, it's the victim's fault. It doesn't matter if they're they're six years old or if they're 30 years old, it's the victim's fault. They have done something to um, entice the perpetrator. It doesn't matter if the perpetrator's 60 years old or not. Um, they will put a spin on it to make the victim out to be mm -hmm. bad, bad person. Now I won't keep you too much longer because I don't want to reveal too much. What's going to be in the book, but I know you got your criminal justice degree and where, what direction do you want to go in with this? That's a good question. Um, like 14. <laughs> I, I don't know. I have, um, I really like psychology. Mm-hmm. I like to try to figure out things, um, even about myself. I love trying to figure out like, why do we do as human? Um, but I will probably try to do, um, law enforcement and then work my way up to, um, get some more degrees or some more college for, um, attorney or I, somebody has to step up. If, oh, if, I agree. Like that, and especially as far as the Amish, and I know it's going on everywhere. It's not just the Amish. Um, the, the courts are corrupt. The mm -hmm. judges are corrupt. Uh, the whole system is 
fail on us. But within the Amish, even if they go out um, to question the victims and the perpetrators about um, incidents, they don't know. They don't know how to question because their their mentality, the Amish, their mentality is so different. Their their level of because when I was going through court, I had to. I finally tried to put myself the way they think, the way they would do things. And it took me down a dark path where I was scared. I was like, I can't do it no more to try to figure out like what they would try next, what they would do. And I realized like their way of thinking, their way of doing things is so it, it's, it's left and right compared to normal. It's so abnormal. So they're like, their thought processes, would would you say backward? They're just. 100% as backwards. It's, oh. there's no. So, and that's why a lot of the perpetrators get away with what they do. And I believe, and I also want to um, register to be um, um, an advocate for uh, translating uh, to Pennsylvania Dutch. Mm-hmm. Because that's a lot of issue um, criminal justice have, like the, um, when they do interviews or anything, especially with children. Um, because as Amish children, they don't they don't know what the parts are called. Mm-hmm. Um, privates is this area or that area or right. this area. So in a CPS case, it's they almost have to be. Uh, the parts have to be named in order for them to, well, mm-hmm. I say it, it, it kind of depends. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I do want to, to get the position where it can make a difference for, for people, change people's minds, you know, re- make them realize that there's a better way. There's a better path. Um, and so forth. Oh, I'm so glad we had this conversation because we will have more. I would like to have you back on. And um, as I said, I'm going to feature you in this book that will hopefully be published by June (laughs) at the latest. We'll see. But um, how can people reach you if they have any questions? Um, Email is, well, email or through. uh, Through me? Well, one email or through a messenger or even yet through you that would be great if they could email or call you and then you could reach out to me that would be awesome gotcha yeah i'll put that in the podcast notes too i'm so glad we talked about this and um is there anything else you'd like to add um (laughs) i could go on for days oh, we will <laughs> we will <laughs> um i guess as far as um you know the criminal justice part as far as how i was treated i don't i'm not sure how far you want to get into that how deep um um I'm being punished for not being amish um and a judge mm-hmm. in- stated that you know if i would have been Amish, you know, this wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have been in this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just. Yeah. Oh, most definitely. And this is going to be highlighted in this book. Your whole um, travels through your 
cult of the Amish and getting out. And I totally applaud you for speaking out. But um, don't jump off, okay? Uh, Slam the gavels of podcasts to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I am your host, Marianne Petri, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth, and Raised by These Wolves, How Family and Federal Courts Are Failing Our Children. You can find me on YouTube, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, and feel free to donate to buy me a coffee to help support this podcast, and you can find that in the podcast notes. And I thank you, Emmanuel Shetler. You will be back. Thank you.